We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Aren't you glad you have a Bible? Aren't you glad that the, God tells us some insight on what's going on with future events? A Christian who has a Bible has the inside track on future events. You may not know everything is going to happen, but you can know what's, going to, what's in play, and God doesn't mind you knowing about that. He doesn't mind telling the future. He's already there. And he's got a plan, and this world, what's this world coming to? It's coming right into God's hand. He is, uh, he's got it all figured out, and nothing, is, nothing has ever occurred to God. He's got it all going on. But the, one of the first, uh, most scholars believe that the first books that Paul wrote was 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. He went to these towns, and there there was a high concentration of Jewish people in both of those communities, in, in Thessalonica and in Corinth. And he wrote two books that God included in the Scripture. He may have written other letters, but God put two of them uh, in Corinth and in Thessal Thessalonians. And in those two books, he specifically tells them about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read last time we went over this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I would not have you to be ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep. You sorrow not even as others who have no hope. Because if we believe that Jesus died, he buried and rose again, those who believe that will he bring with them. And he's going to come and get us. Now, also in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter uh, number 15, verses 51 and following, you'll see that we'll not all sleep, but we all be changed. Not everyone will die. That is the favorite verse for nursery workers. We won't, the kids won't all sleep, but they all will be changed before you come back and get them there. So, but he said, it says here that we're not all going to die. Some people are going to be raptured by the Lord. Now, the word rapture is not a Bible word, just like Trinity is not in your Bible, but it's a Bible term. It means to be caught up or to taken up and to snatched away, if you will. And so, then the book of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, was only in this church for no more than a month, three Sabbath days, and then um, he left. But when he went on to Athens, he wrote them back this letter, they believe, 1 Thessalonians, the first letter, he references in this book the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are, Jesus came the first time as a baby, a most vulnerable thing. When you see these little babies come across this morning, how many saw the babies come across this morning? Nothing more vulnerable than a baby. They can't do anything for themselves, and that's how God brought uh, a son was given. A child was born, and God gave us, his son, he always existed, but he brought him to this world, um, very vulnerable, and he came the first time to be bruised for our sin, to be beaten for our sin, to, to give his life a ransom for many. The next time he comes, he's not coming to the earth, he's coming for his saints. He is going to come and he's going to rapture them out. Now, I do not believe there's a lot of signs and things we have to keep looking for for the Lord to come back. I think if you read 1 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy chapter 3, where the Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks about perilous times shall come, and you're going to talk about what mankind will be, and even sometimes spiritual leaders will be. They'll be selfish, they'll be sexual sins, selfish sins, and searching sins, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of a truth. I was talking to Brother Rob DeFoy the other, and recently, and he just told me, he goes, I can't believe how educated people can be so dumb. Just, it's just, I don't know how to say this nice, but people who supposedly have education but really can't, uh, couldn't, can't, can't connect the dots. 
in, in more common sense. You know, common sense is kind of like deodorant. People that need it don't have it, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's kind of sometimes the way on that situation. But uh, don't use it. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the thing. But uh, I will say this, that there's not much more needs to happen that I know about for the Lord Jesus to come back. He's waiting for his heavenly father, and I kind of hope I'm alive when that happens. But he's going to come again, and when you see, the, the, when he talks about the rapture, I think you can find the words, day of Christ. When you see the day of Christ in your Bible, it's speaking of the catching away, the rapture of the church. And that could come at any time. Another day that you'll find is found many times in the Old Testament, three times in our New Testament, and that is the day of the Lord. Now, one of the reasons I love the King James Version of the Bible, because there are some other versions that change that, but I think there's something significant about that. The day of the Lord. Jesus spoke heavily about the day of the Lord in Matthew chapter 24, 25. He speaks about the second coming. Because the first coming is for the church. It's for those who have believed and received Jesus Christ. How many feel like if the Lord came back tonight, you would go with him? Are you glad for that? I'm glad for that. I'm in that, I'm in his body, he's going to catch me out, okay? That has to do with the local church. That's when you find in the scriptures, you're going to find the church is not in the tribulation period. I believe the Lord's going to come back, and he spends much of the first book of, of 1 Thessalonians telling us about that, the coming of the Lord. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And he's not coming back to the earth at that time. He's going to meet, we'll meet the Lord where? In the air. And how long will we be with the Lord? Forever. That's, that's where God's people will be. That is when the Lord will, will be with his bride. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when his father says, go get your bride. And he's going to bring them. And then we'll forever be with him. Uh, got to uh, do a wedding yesterday with... Um, with a precious couple and such a such a sweet wedding and a wonderful couple and Kevin and and I think we have a picture of them. Do we have that picture right there of them? I don't know if you have that or not, but uh, if you find that picture, you showed them that a good couple there, Kevin and and uh, Faith and just a large number of people came to the wedding. But uh, now Faith's going to live with Kevin because he uh, he married her and said one day we're going to live with the Lord and we'll ever be with Him and I'm looking forward to that. The next day, the day of the Lord, is seven years, approximately seven years from the rapture. About seven years later, there he's going to come back and he will uh, plant his foot on terra firma. That's when he's going to come back. And that is when also we start the, uh, what I believe to be the, the millennium period. There will be the, the battle of Armageddon. He'll come. And he's not, this time, he comes for his saints. Over here, he's coming with his saints. And then there's a thousand years of millennial reign with the Lord in which Satan will be bound. He'll be released again uh, to deceive the nations of those, everybody who's ever believed or received uh, the Lord Jesus Christ or rejected the Lord has had three things. And I think it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And at the conclusion of the millennium period, it looks like to me they're going to have those same three uh, uh, adversaries against their soul to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't hardly believe that's going to take place, but that's what the Bible teaches, and we certainly believe it. One thing I do believe strongly is the church is not in the tribulation period. There are many doctrines about that. There are people who believe 
in uh, pre-wrath. They believe in pre-trib. That's where I would stand. They believe in mid-trib, that Jesus is, that, that the church leaves, or Christians leave in the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years into it. And some believe in the post-tribulation that people will leave then. I would, I would believe the Bible is teaching that, that, that uh, this is going to happen first. There'll be an apostasy, a falling away, and uh, I don't think we have to know who the Antichrist is prior to the rapture. I do believe there will be a falling away, and I think if there's any there, that we can see that today. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Spirit speaketh expressly, in the last days some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That just goes with the territory, and I'm sure that has happened, and many, many, and that's why I think the Lord Jesus has, doesn't have to do anything to come back. There's no more signs we have to look for. He could come at any time. However, what we're going to talk about today, uh, there are signs. There are things, and this is much about the church when it comes for his saints. This is much to do about the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. The Jewish people, the second coming of Christ is definitely, uh, we call it Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year period of time between the rapture and the second coming of Christ, Daniel's 70th week. You can read about that in Daniel chapter 9. Another thing it's called is the time of uh, Jacob's trouble, okay? Who is Jacob? Jacob's name was turned to what? Israel. It's, it's, it's his people's trouble. And certainly there's going to be a brokerage made with the Antichrist, uh, the adversaries of the Jews, and look like he's going to be a peacemaker until he, in the middle of the uh, tribulation period, is going to have the abomination of desolation right there in the temple uh, and set himself up as God. Then, of course, an onslaught against uh, God's people especially. There will be uh, an attempt by the Lord, and I think he's going to send 144,000 soul winners throughout the planet, and I think uh, there will be Jews and Gentiles saved, but uh, certainly that there's going to be two um, Old Testament prophets coming. Most people believe it'll be Moses and Elijah. It could be because they appeared on the transfiguration. Could be, it could be Elijah and Enoch. I don't know. I don't think there's anything to argue about. That's, that's something God will do. But they will be slain. They will be laying in the street. The whole world, the Bible says, will be able to see them laying on the streets. Could you imagine in 1950 saying that and people wondering how could that happen? Does anybody have a wonder how that could happen today? You could see it on your cell phone. You could see the whole world could see something and give them 72 hours, they'll surely could see it. Given the time, and the whole world will be able to be able to view two dead prophets laying in the streets. They won't even pick them up to bury them. They'll lay there and, uh, and rejoice that they're finally gone. And uh, we find that in the book of the Revelation. Lots of challenges uh, coming to God's people and the nation of Israel and his people in particular. And, uh, but for the church, they're not going to be there. But let's look, if we can, please, at chapter 5. You say, Pastor, before I go there, I've told you about, look at it about five times now. Okay, hang on a second. What's the big deal? Why should I be anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why should I be living in the imminent return that he could come at any moment? I think there are four, four byproducts of a person who believes, and I think this is why Satan does not, and theologians, liberal theologians, do not want you to have to worry about that. Ah, it's going to happen after that. We're going to go through truth. I think God wants his people to live in anticipation of his coming. And I think when we do, there's several things. We have patience, 
of hope. That means we'll, we'll endure some difficult times while we wait. If you know your groom is coming for you, you can be patient and wait. Number two, 1 John chapter 3 says when we are waiting for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to be like him because he's going to come and get us, we will live pure even as he is pure. We'll elevate our behavior, certainly. I think the Bible tells us we'll live soberly and righteously in this present world. We'll learn to live with purpose, holy, righteous, and we'll elevate our, what we do, what we post on, on social media, what we put out there, what we say. Uh, why? Because we, we're, we're marching to the beat of a different drum. And we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. So we'll have patience of hope. We'll purify ourselves. We will live more soberly, more holy, distinctively different from the world. And then lastly, we'll be zealous of good works. I believe when you know God is coming for you and you're looking forward and anticipating, you'll be much more faithful than someone who's just bebopping through life and wondering what the next day is going to hold. When's the next party going on? What's the next time of entertaining herself? Everything will change in that perspective, and I believe it's strategic by our Heavenly Father that we know that. Now, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want you to notice the first word, the first word is a conjunction, but he is transitioning. What has he talked about just before chapter 5, the end of chapter 4? The rapture. He says, but. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little, put a little uh, um, hinge here, and we're going to turn the, door, turn the page a little bit. We were talking about a rapture, but we're going to talk about something else. Look at verse number 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren... You have no need that I write unto, what's the, what's, the, what's the pronoun there? You. Now, you're going to find two different pronouns here as you read your Bible. You're going to find you, and you're going to find ye, and you're going to find they and them. Okay? So, you, you're, you're, he's going to begin talking to two different groups of people. You and ye, and they and them. You and ye, in, the, in this past scripture, are children of the light. Okay? That's people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. Those people who are true believers, okay? The people who are you, they and them are children of the darkness. Those are people who are now still in the dark. They have not been saved, okay? How many of you are going to be in the ye and, and you group? I hope that's all of you, okay? If you're in the ye and, ye and ye and they or they and them, I hope you'll get out of that group. If you're a children of darkness, I hope you'll not do that. I hope you'll come to Jesus. If you are saved, it's going to talk to you. Now, you're going to see him change a couple times in this writing. Very important that you see that. Look, if you would please, at verse number one, one more time. Of the other seasons, of the times and seasons, brethren, by the way, you might remember when Jesus, before he went back to heaven, Acts chapter one, they said, show us, when are you going to come back? Of the times and the seasons. He says, you know what, that's something the Father, don't worry about that. He said, of the times and seasons, brother, you have no need that I write unto you. Look at verse number 2, would you please? The Bible says here, For ye yourselves, for yourselves, those who are children of light, know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh how? Thief of the night. And when they shall say, peace, they, you see the first reference to they, when they... The children of the darkness shall say, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman 
with child, and they shall not escape. So we're finding here, and by the way, we have, a, I think we had three precious little kids born and little babies born uh, in the last 72 hours to the Congers and to the Solano family and also uh, to the Garcia family. We're happy for them. One little boy and two girls. The girls are winning on this weekend, looks like. And uh, we're happy for them. But those mamas that started having contractions, they didn't know that was going to happen while they were eating. They didn't know if that was going to happen while they were sleeping. They didn't know it was going to happen in church. I remember one time we have nine children, so I'm, a couple times, different, different scenarios come on in. But I remember uh, preaching a message, and my wife sitting over there, and she goes, it's going to happen tonight. I said, really? She goes, yeah, I'll meet you at home. <laughs> and boy, we, we, I, it was just like I was a short, a short handshaking time at the end. I went right to the house, and Linda said, we were going to go. And that night we had our child. And we're excited. Was that Coleman, or who was that? That was Coleman, that he was born right there on the next day, on July the 1st, and it was an exciting time for our family. We didn't know. We don't know when it's going to happen. And, and he said, this, this is something that is going to come like a thief and knife or like a woman who, is, uh, who has travail of a child. Continue on, if you would please, verse number 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. So those who are saved, you're not in the dark, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are, are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So we're, we've got a definitely, a definitely a two groups of people here. Now it's interesting, verse number one, he says, Now of the times and season, not concerning the rapture of the church, but the day of the Lord, he said, you don't need me to tell you all about that. Why? because you're not going to be there. He said, the times and seasons, brother, you have no need that I give you all these things so you'll know what's going to happen to the day of the Lord. Now, the, you can look in the Old Testament. You can read the prophet Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and Joel, and you'll see that. And you can hear Jesus talk. He said, but if you're of the light, you don't really need to know all the times and seasons leading up to the day of the Lord. Do you know Why? You will be forever with who? The Lord. Okay, so you don't have to know all that stuff. That's not going to overtake you like a thief, and it's not going to hit you like a woman with the, with the pangs of, of childbirth. Why? Because you're not going to be there when it happens. These are things that are going to happen the day of the Lord, and the, the people who need to know about this are people of the darkness. The ye, the they, and the thems. We over here, we've got, we're with the Lord. So he said, now, of the time the season, you don't need to write you because you're not of the night. You're of the day. And so it's not, it's not going to overtake you. It is for the day of the Lord. You'll find the words day of the Lord are mentioned in the book of Acts in chapter number 2 in the New Testament. And then also in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10, where that's where the Bible says a day in the eyes of the Lord or a thousand years, a thousand years of a day. Some who believe, and I, I wouldn't argue with this, they believe that that thousand years is, that, is talking about the day the Lord comes back and there's a thousand year reign with him. So he says the day of the Lord is going to be a thousand years of time in his mindset. And I, you know, that's something you can, you can argue about if you want to, but this, it makes some sense to me in regards to that. Let's continue on and see what the Bible is trying to tell us here. So in verse number uh, 5, he says, You're the children of the light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Verse number 6, Therefore, let us, that's speaking of those who are the, of the night, of the day, excuse me, 
as do others. Let's not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. So here he he reminds us we're children of the light, and we should not live like children of the night. He said, look, people that are in the night, they sleep in the night. They're, they're, They're bebopping through life with no purpose. They're drunk. They're intoxicated with the things of this world. But you and I should not be that. He said, we're not of the night. We don't need to be bebopping through life, and we certainly don't need to be intoxicated by the the stimulants of this world. We should be marching to the beat of a different drum altogether. He says, "If if if you're a child of the light, then live like a child of the light. And if you're a child of the night, I would understand. I understand why unsaved people act unsaved. I think trying to rebuke unsaved people most of the time is futile. They're just, they're just doing what their daddy tells them to do. They're living in the darkness. They don't, have any, they don't have a sense of that. But if you and I are saved, we're children of light. He said, now live soberly. Live righteously. One of the things you hear, and, and it's so important, we, and I'm glad I go to a church, and I'm glad I've, I've gone to church in my whole life that have challenged me to live holy, to live distinctively in my thinking, in my words, in my dress, in my attitude, in my music, my entertainment. I'm grateful for that. I embrace the doctrine of separation. I think it's great. I grieve when people don't feel like they, they, that's important to them. I believe it's just as important as, as the Bible's important. And I love that. And I'm very thankful for that. But the truth of the matter is, I should live soberly and righteously, and so should you. We should live very distinct. Christians aren't perfect, but they ought to be distinctively different. You ought to be living in the light, not in the darkness. Then let's continue on. And just a, This is some wonderful thoughts here. Verse number 9. And in talking about the things that God has given us who are, who are of the day, we ought to be sober, live with purpose. Verse number 8, putting on the breastplate of faith, to live in faithfulness, and also live in what? Love. By this you all know you're my disciples. You're of the day because you love one another. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. I'll just tell you this. Five times in the book of 1 Thessalonians, um, you'll see the word saved or salvation. But it does not mean, at least four of the times, and maybe some folks believe, a lot smarter than me, believe it's all five times, it doesn't mean saved from hell. Because you're already Christians here. Okay, you're already saved. It means saved from judgment, saved from wrath. It means to be delivered. And oftentimes it'll be the case. Now, for instance, you, you might remember this story or this, this concept in the, in the New Testament when, when you're talking about prayer in the book of First. Timothy chapter 2, and he says, you know, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, okay? And then it says, and women, when you pray, be modest with shamefacedness, not with broidered hair or gold or silver, not trying to to be um, unnoticed, but humble yourself. And then it goes on to say that you ought to not be, be, not be out in front in the church or be silent in church and some things that oftentimes ladies have a hard time with a little bit. But then it says, but the woman, it was Eve that was first deceived in the transgression, not Adam. And then it says, but you can be saved. But the woman can be saved if she will continue in faith and sobriety and faithfulness 
and that kind of thing. Now, it doesn't mean a lady is saved by being sobriety and being, being yielded. It's talking about saved from what? Saved from deception. If you'll come underneath the authorities of God's help and you'll stay faithful in your witness, you know, and faithful in your, in your living and holy and humble, those things, you'll be saved from the deception. One thing that I think that is uh, not to be unkind, but I just think that a lady, especially in context, you have to make sure that you are submissive to your, to your husband and come underneath the authority. It doesn't mean you're a floor mat. It just means you're under the authority there. I think it's important for all of us to realize we all need spiritual authority, but especially in the area there, that's the context. But you're not saved by doing that. You're not saved from hell. You're saved from deception and falling into a, into a challenging time. You'll see several times in the Bible the word saved means to be delivered. It doesn't always mean when you read your King James Bible that, that it means salvation from hell and from, from penalty of sin every time. And this, I think, is another case for that. Let's look at the continued part, would you please? He says in, in, in verse number 9, verse number 8, he talks about, and the hope of salvation. And then verse 9, read it with me, would you please? For God hath not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And I do believe here, he said, now God hath not appointed who? Us. Who, are, who is us in this particular children of the light? If not appointed us to wrath. I think wrath here in context is talking about the tribulation period. He said, I'm not appointing you to wrath, but to obtain salvation, to be saved from that wrath to come uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 10. And I love this. This is a great, a great verse. I hope you can get your head around it, and I hope I can learn it too. Read verse 10 with me, would you please? Who died for us that whether we or sleep, we should... Okay, let me ask you something. Are there people that are children of light who are sleeping as we speak? They're going to heaven. They'll enjoy the same heaven you enjoy, but they're, they're, they're asleep spiritually. Are there people who are awake spiritually? I hope I am. hope you are. Are there people who are they're, they're, they're children of light, but some people are asleep? Remember, those that sleep, sleep in the night. Every once in a while, people see someone who at one time, they, they live for the Lord, but now they're not living for the Lord, and people think, oh, they were probably never even saved. By the way, I don't think it's good to judge that. Do you? You don't know that. But here the Bible tells us that one day when the Lord comes, that whether people are Christians of the light and they're awake or they're sleeping, what's going to happen to them according to verse number 10? Would you look at it again with me and tell me what's going to happen to people? Will God bring with them? You know, sometimes we get, we get into character and we have to be very careful about judging if someone is saved. Or someone will say, well, I can't believe I was, I was married to an unsaved woman for however many years. I can't believe I had that friend. He was unsaved all that time. You know, he may not have been just because he doesn't. He's asleep now spiritually. And once again, I cannot judge anybody else, but you can judge you. And if you're not saved, you've got to get that figured out you, okay? It's really hard for you to judge somebody else's salvation, and I think you get a little squirrely when you try to. But I think as Christians, if you're children of the light... Some people are awake and some people are asleep. Which one would you be in today? Young people up here on my right, which one would you be? Would you be asleep or are you awake? Girls, are you listening? Would you be one of those children of the light? Are you, are you awake or are you sleeping? 
Grandpa, how about you? Sir, ma'am, would you be awake in the Lord? Would you be sober and vigilant? Would you have faith and love and the breastplate of faith and love? Would, you, would it be obvious to the most casual observer? Man, Grandma's on. Grandma loves Christ. That man, he, that teenager, oh, I don't, they're, they're, they're alive spiritually. They're awake. And I'm glad that God, to get saved, all we can do is put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he does his end. I haven't done my end all the time, and I've fallen asleep in my Christian life sometimes. But I, I would encourage you, whether you're awake or asleep, aren't you glad that God brings you with him if you're children of the light? Look at verse 11, would you please? The Bible says here in verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Living a worldly life is sleeping. Living a holy life is awake. He said, well, you ought to think about this, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and comfort one another as also ye do. 